Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Grow Your Influence Street. This is an exciting week because last Friday, finished my book, sent it off to the publisher, hope it comes back with minimal edits, and it comes out on the shelves in October. It's called Ditch the Act, Reveal the um, Surprising Power of the Real You for Greater Success. So in October, give that a look. Uh, today, we have a great guest on the line. Her name's Dr. Christy Holmes. Uh, she's been working with the United Nations and their sustainable development projects. Uh, she's also uh, been a professor. She has a PhD. She does a lot of these amazing things. And before she hopped on the show, I was just flipping through all the different things she's done. And it's actually really remarkable, but I don't want to really take away from what she's done. Um, Dr. Uh, Holmes, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. My name is Dr. Christy Holmes. And right now I'm a clinician at Thrive Psychology. We focus on women. I do still work with UN Women as a board member, a national board member for the U.S. National Committee, and I'm also on the deployment team for uh, the Red Cross uh, for disaster mental health. That's yeah, I mean keeps that's me busy at the moment. That's, that's absolutely remarkable. I mean, dedicating your free time to the Red Cross and volunteering in their efforts having a practice and all these other things, I mean, that's absolutely phenomenal. Not a lot of people really go out there, invest all that time into building out their education, setting up a practice and doing these big things. So, I mean, it's pretty remarkable that, one, you're doing all these things, and two, you're going out there and you're developing your personal brand to take things even further. I mean, your career trajectory is probably on the fast track right now. Well, I think that's good news. I'm just right now. I'm also trying to learn how to slow down at the same time. So, mm-hmm. uh, how many things can you say yes to at the same time? How much can you dedicate to working for free? Which I absolutely love doing. I've realized over time that when you work for free, it's a very different feeling than when you're working for pay, and you can dedicate yourself in a different way. And I think it's more all out because the expectations are not the same, of course, when someone's paying you. So oh, yeah. I'm trying to find a balance with family and all that in order to live my best life, I guess you would say, not just on paper, but, you know, at home and yeah, enjoying my time that I, I have. I can definitely see that. My wife, um, she loves volunteer work. Um, she went on a medical mission a few years ago. Um, she's an RN by trade. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's probably her most memorable moment in life. And not to discount our relationship, but she talks a lot more <laughs> highly about that than our marriage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes you just, it's just saying yes to something that you know you're going to be uncomfortable because it's new and you know, when I did, I did Hurricane Harvey, and mm. I didn't think too long about it, which was probably a good thing, because there were snakes in the shower and bloated mm. alligators that were dead floating around, and there was a pretty awful smell, aside from the obvious of what you'd expect when you go into a, at the time, was the biggest disaster area we'd ever uh, tackled in the U.S., so you don't know what you're getting into, but I think part of it, and I'm sure it's the same for your wife, was that there is so much unity and kindness and community when everybody's working together when bad things happen. And so unlike what we see in media news right now, you kind of get the opposite of it, especially in the shelters where everybody may have lost everything, but the people there are still alive and they're still looking and working together. And uh, there's something to be said for that. I'm playing Scrabble because there's nothing else to be done, you know, and I think that's memorable in that way just because you bond with people and there are no, a lot of times electronic devices didn't work at all anyway. So we were left with our our, archaic forms of communication. Yeah, and it's pretty remarkable because, like, when she tells me about those stories, like, she's in rural Africa, there's, like, nothing really Mm -hmm. around, people are building their homes by themselves, and she's like, everyone there is so happy. I'm like, wow. I don't know if I'm happy all the time. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. 
Exactly. <laughs> simple. It's the simplicity. Yeah, and it's pretty remarkable. They feel how connected. That, yeah. <laughs> so just to just from observation, I'm assuming that your main three goals are to probably book more patients to your practice where you're helping women. Two, to get more speaking engagements so you could go out there and share what you're doing with the world and your voluntary efforts and your expertise with others. And three, you're looking for um, more opportunities where you could kind of give back within this limited free time that you have. Exactly. And I think number two is probably the most, as far as, generating more income or using my time wisely (laughs) and generating income at the same time, I would say I need to do better at making sure I'm getting paid and including things like travel. A lot of times I say yes and I don't really count the cost just with my time, especially now in practice because every hour is money I'm giving up as well. So making sure that I'm compensated when speaking. I have a, a lot of history with speaking engagements, but I do a whole lot of that for free. Some of it's paid, but I'm not as good at following up with that in the same way I am in practice where my 50 minutes are incremented and it's easier to, for whatever reason, it's easier for me to articulate that and you know, have to pay the rent, have to pay the admin, all of that. But I don't do a great job when it comes to public speaking engagements. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I mean, a lot of places have changed their pricing structures when it comes to speakers. And they used to pay thousands, tens of thousands, and all this other great stuff. But then a lot of people are just clawing at the opportunity to speak for free now, and they're just looking for a stage to get on. That it's affecting a lot of the other people who actually need to make a living off of speaking, too. So there's this push and shove that's kind of in this weird area right now when it comes to to speaking and uh-huh. it definitely does affect paying the bills um in regards to your practice do you think you have a steady volume or was that something you were really looking at focusing on growing i know right now a lot of people who have um therapy uh therapy licenses like if you're looking for people who take insurances at least like it's really hard for someone who has an insurance card to go out there and find a new therapist but i know you're more private pay right Yes, and now I've really learned why. I've Usually private practice is something I've done part-time because I've been teaching the last 13 years at university mm-hmm. level. And so private practice was more of an extra thing or something I would donate time. I was working with um, Given Hour, which is for vets that are on a waiting list, and I really enjoyed that part of it because that was my some of my volunteer time, so I didn't expect yeah. pay for that. And I didn't realize how complicated all the insurance billing has become. Now I understand because right now I'm doing, we do super bills at our practice where, you know, once a month we send it so that the PPO patients can get reimbursed, whatever their reimbursement rate is, which is usually around 50 to 80% depending on their, their plan. But HMO patients are out of luck. And I found out about this lovely thing called a single case agreement which I was trying to, I have a social work background, so I really want to make sure to advocate for everybody's care. But I found that they're really good, these insurance companies at sending you in circles. And, you know, with a couple of patients, I've been dealing with them for four or five months. The clients haven't seen any reimbursement. So now I caution people against, you know, doing out of pocket unless they know that they can absolutely afford it and trying to get them into a spot in network because they're making it very difficult to seek care. So that could get me off on a whole other (laughs) thing. But now that I have even more experience in doing, you know, teaching is one thing, doing is another. And now I understand why, especially in urban areas, um, it's just not feasible for most practices to take insurance. They're offering reimbursement rates of, you know, 55 or $81, which wouldn't even cover the rent in the places to provide services in, much less admin work or even paying the therapist. So we've got a problem we know in healthcare, and it definitely extends into mental health. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a problem. I mean, I work with some people in the medical industry, and it seems like a huge, complicated situation that doesn't really seem that solvable at an immediate level. Um, at least, yeah, it leaves a lot of people out in the cold. That said, it is Los Angeles, and having a therapist is pretty normal. 
And mm-hmm. so we're very busy here at Thrive. And it's, we focus on women. I see men as well, but we're busy. Busy, busy, busy. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. And it makes sense that your practice is busy. So what you're really looking for is since the practice is so busy, um, it's probably more geared towards number two, how to get more speaking engagements, but how to get the actual paying speaking engagements, correct? Yes, and I'm also trying to think advocacy-wise that mm-hmm. how can, because there's one of me, how do I, what I do, the thing I do miss about teaching, <laughs> I go back and forth between macro and micro, what I'm enjoying the most at any given time, and it's important for me to move it around every so often, otherwise you get stale, but how do I reach a greater number of people than one-on-one? Because if you're doing mm-hmm. private practice, you get to see one person every hour or a couple or perhaps a family, but a lot of times you're giving the same advice. So outside of writing a book, which we briefly talked about already, and I don't want to do that right now, um, eventually I will, but not right now. So how do I get paid for the time I can spend, you know, disseminating information to perhaps people who could use the information and it could help them along without them having to invest money that they don't have by the hour, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like a lot of the things or doing more group-based, you know, have an audience or we're talking about this thing specific to women or, you know, it could be about postpartum depression or having anxiety after, you know, illness or divorce, any of the things where, there are a lot of things that we share and talk about that are common to a lot of us, but it would be it would be simpler to reach a bunch of people at once and then also probably keep costs down for whoever is paying for it. And I'm not really sure what that niche is right now, but I'm trying to figure that out to do every once in a while. I don't want to spend uh, all of my time in front of larger audiences, but when I do, I want it to be meaningful and that it's actually benefiting those who are listening and not overly costing them because I still want to be able to reach people who can't necessarily afford me by the hour. Well, the great thing is the Internet's really one of the biggest equalizers out there. It gives you the opportunity to have your message seen both here in Los Angeles to all the way throughout in, like, Zimbabwe and everywhere in between that. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things that really uh, you could help leverage to help bridge these gaps, tie everything together, and put that big picture goal that you have into play where one you're doing charitable work by sharing content that people can consume um, at their own pace for free but two also creating Mm -hmm. content where you're getting involved too and this could be like a group seminar a group course a group activity or maybe if you think about it from the university perspective maybe like an online class where you have people enroll and then you walk them through a session kind of like you would in an online classroom but then kind of like a more open basis where people could get involved too and ask questions and have that be involved in a group environment so is it possible to make what you want to do in the long term a reality it's very possible it just takes piecing a few things together and just figuring out exactly what the roadmap to do that is like for example um, I run a few courses that teach people everything that they want to know about personal branding they're online they're do-it-yourself some people for me they get involved because they um, want extra hand-holding as opposed to just the course so I'll work with them one-on-one to end the course but then I could also potentially do that in a group if I wanted then there's the one-on-one client where I hold their hand and direct them through everything one-on-one and do the work for them so I mean those options are there and throughout this um, radio show we could walk through how to set up those options and what we could do to Mm -hmm. really help you get there Um, just before we get into anything um, there's four different V's Uh, let me just go over them the first V is vision that's your positioning and that's how you're set up most of what you have right now is pretty phenomenal with how you're um, how you're perceived, you have a lot of your credentials, you've done a lot of great things, people 
really are able to go out there and respect you. So that's there. Uh, the next section's voice is when you're creating content, whether that's writing, video, podcast, whatever it may be. Then there's volume that's taking that content and getting it pushed out to a wider audience. Then there's validation, and that's when people are engaging with you, saying that they want to work with you, saying that they want to pay you, invite you to a speaking engagement, put you into a publication, uh-huh. and things like that. And we'll go. We'll take a deeper dive into a few of those areas that we could really work on after this commercial break. But um, if people wanted to find you, um, Dr. Holmes, where could they find you? Well, if you do Twitter, at Dr. Christie is the quickest way to find me, at B-R-K-R-I-S-T-I-E. And our group, our group website is actually pretty great, and it has a lot of information and some of what we've been talking about with little clips on different mental health issues, and that's mythrivepsychology.com. Perfect. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on, like, Twitter and some other places, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Everyone, welcome back. Leonard Kim here with Dr. Christy Holmes, and we've been chatting about what to do to really build her personal brand. Uh, One of the things that um, Dr. Christy Holmes is looking to do is go out there and establish something like an online group practice and get her content out to more people who could need help, both for free and for people who want that extra hand-holding for group sessions. Um, She currently has a thriving practice right now. She's done a lot of phenomenal things, working with the UN, the Red Cross, and all this other amazing stuff. But right now, like, when you're on your own and you're out in this entrepreneurial space, it's kind of easy to get caught up into all these different tasks that we think are important, but then may or may not be moving the needle. And when I took a look at Dr. Christy Holmes' bio, I thought it was pretty phenomenal. It displayed all the great things that she's done in her life, all the amazing research she's worked on, all the amazing volunteer trips that she's done. And it really, like, that sold me for credibility, no problem. I'm like, if I ever needed a therapist for something, if I needed someone to go to and um, push came to shove, and I needed someone right now, who am I probably going to call? I'm probably going to call Dr. Christy Holmes. But there's the second layer to that, and that's when it comes to like speaking and building an audience. Driving people to your business is one thing, but generating an audience of people who are engaging with you is a, a slightly different thing. And when it comes to building that audience, 
Um, one of the things that I see is the biggest misconception where a lot of people who go out there and build a business do this is they feel that it's necessary to kind of like stand on this pedestal and kind of preach to an audience, kind of like how a professor would preach to their students, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because that's kind of like how we've been like taught to do and it's been what's worked for like the longest time but it's just something that's just not really working as efficiently as it used to work especially since like everyone's kind of taking that route now um one of the things that's really working now is when people kind of get a little bit grounded and show a little bit more of their personalities. It's like, for example, it would be like, hi, my name's Leonard Kim. I live with my wonderful wife and beautiful and like, cute little chihuahua near downtown Los Angeles, which we're going to have to move from soon. Uh, what we like to do is we like to take picnics, we like to eat cupcakes, and then like, I start to talk a little bit about like my likes, my interests, and my personality. And... Uh, I think if you were to sprinkle a little bit of, like, your personality into your bios Mm -hmm. and everything and kind of, like, humanized it a little bit with, like, what you actually like to do, like, it would just make your bio so much more powerful where people would be like, oh, wow, this is not just someone who could help me with what I need, but this is someone I could actually like and get along with, too. Cupcakes. I got it. Yeah, (laughs) just add cupcakes in there. (laughs) (laughs) I can do Perfect. that. Perfect. You got the right message. <laughs> um, if you want to humanize yourself even more, you could add in a few of the struggles that you face throughout life. Um, that usually creates that empathetic bond between other people. I mean, it, it works really well, but it's not a necessity, and everyone has a different comfort level with how much they reveal about their personal selves. So, I mean, if you want a little bit more, that's one thing you could add. But uh, let's talk about, like, building that audience because you don't have a classroom where you have, like, 30 or 50 people that you're in front of anymore, and you're trying to go out there and create, like, this classroom setting, right? Right. Um, One of the things I saw that you were doing is you were creating – you have a lot of research out there, which is great, and those um, research papers are extremely hard to write, and you do deserve a lot of credit for that. Yes, and read. (laughs) Um, I I did see that you did write a few um, articles on Medium about your Red Cross adventures and going over to help other people. And I I saw that they were written quite well. Um, But um, when you looked through the analytics of that, it probably didn't get read that much, right? No, what I actually did, I finally transferred that to Medium because I was, honestly, I was doing that because it was too much back and forth when I was gone and I didn't have much in the way of Wi-Fi or connection. And so it was kind of my way to keep people updated back home without actually having to talk to anyone. And mm-hmm. so I was doing that on my Facebook page. When it would come up, I would, uh, when I get a signal, I'd upload it. So it was all on Facebook of all things and it wasn't public. And then I transferred it to Medium a, a while later. So that was more just a way to archive it for even myself. So you're actually right. That was written. It was written in a more friendly, this is what it was really like type way. And it was written for people that knew me. And so I did make it public, but I definitely haven't pushed it out there as far as, you know, here's something for everyone to read or to share. But I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, if you were to make more content around that nature, like um, you take mm-hmm. the big psychology topics and make it. Uh, into bite-sight chunks, if you add some personal stories, um, maybe not stories about your patients due to patient confidentiality, but um, some personal stories with some of the things that you've learned over time, some of the things that you've taught, some of the discoveries that you found. If you started sharing Mm -hmm. things like that, one, you'd be able to hit that altruistic goal of educating others about what's going on, but two, you'd also be able to put down the uh, stepping stones for really going out there and uh, creating that content that's going to drive to these courses and the things that you're really looking at doing later. Um, Also, if you're... hmm, Go on. I said got it. Yeah. 
Also, if you're creating um, that type of content too, there's a lot of other great resources that you could utilize. Like I'm sure it would be extremely easy for you to potentially pick up a column at psychologytoday.com and other um, and other publications that focus on like mental health um, and other topics mm-hmm. like um, the ones that you really work with. So there's a lot of opportunity there to really get your content seen by others. Um, so the vision or the, the voice sections when you're producing content, and it's not really that hard to really think of like what topics would really help you. It's like what would, what would the biggest amount of people or what topics could I write about where the most amount of people would find benefit? And that could be like loss, depression, anxiety, and, and the topics that your patients are already probably coming to you with now. If you're also writing, like, what's the seven most common um, things that people come to a therapist for? And then you look through your patient database and see what those seven things are and give, like, little tiny tidbits on how to start the process Mm -hmm. to recover. Then it actually gives people the foundation and the stepping sense to go out there and do these things. Um, The great thing about creating content is when you're creating content, more and more people see it. The more people who see it, the more credible you become, the more credible you become, the more people who go out there and want to feature you in publications, um, quote you as an expert source, um, get you on TV so then you could be talking about what you do. And then all of that, in the background, what it's doing is it's inflating your speaking fee as well. So at the same time, while you're get building up this credibility, like me, three years ago, if I wanted to go speak, I get zero dollars. Me, two years ago, I get a grad. Me, last year, I get a few grad. Me, this year, I hope mm-hmm. I could get 10 grand, but it's probably not going to happen, but it's a hope. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it. Soon. <laughs> but it, it kind of like gradually goes up. And the more views, the more reads you have on your content, the more people you have talking about it, the more people you have sharing it, the more people you have going out there and um, featuring and quoting you in different places, whether it be books, publications, and things like that, the more credible you become. So it's not like you have to go out the gate and write a book because um, anyone who's written the book will tell you it's one of the most disruptive events of their life, <laughs> for one. But, um, yes. <laughs> but two, writing a 500-word piece where you're summarizing a topic that you like, that you know from the back of your hand, like that takes you maybe like 30 minutes, an hour, and it's out there. It's really simple in comparison. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the things that you could do is really focus on creating content because that's going to have the biggest ROI out of anything that you do. And... And you can choose how to create this content. Um, I don't know if you prefer writing or video, but either way, if you pick one to start, you could use the other one as an ancillary tactic. Um, do you like using a video or? Uh, no. Or no. <laughs> no. I, yesterday, yesterday I went to. I don't know if you know who they are, but Attention. But it's they have the little videos where they're educational. I absolutely love them. But I went on as one of their. Uh, take on the experts yesterday on you know what it's like to be in therapy versus the movies or film and while I like to get the message out there I find talking on camera about the worst thing ever I can handle it's, it's right there with keynote speeches I can do panels all day long that's fine a classroom full of people that's fine but specifically being on video I've got to work through this <laughs> Uh, but don't worry about it. I mean, I was freezing, but then as soon as camera was on me, I was hot and I was sweating, and I lose a whole lot of IQ points pretty much instantly when the camera's on. So it's harder for me, even though I have had plenty of practice at it. I feel like it's almost the first time every time I do it. And the worst question for me is the who are you, what do you do? You know, and I, I don't know why it feels like such a commitment. So I turned to complete commitment phobe on actually explaining who I am or what it is that I do. So, but the video—that's a long answer to doing video off the cuff—is not easy for me unless someone is sitting there with me. So, 
we were sitting there having a conversation about anxiety or divorce or parenting or any of those things that are normal, that's fine. Like I, I can do that on camera, but I just don't want to talk directly to the camera. And I'm the one who's always sitting there and the production guys are always having to point at the camera because I look <laughs> at whoever's talking to me. And so that's... that alone is really disruptive. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense. I mean, for me, it took me two years to kind of sort of almost feel comfortable in front of the camera. So don't worry about it. You're not going to have to get in front of video to really do anything. And that's kind of okay. What you can really do is start with writing. Um, so one of the things that really helps propel writing is switching over to the volume phase of things. Uh, volumes when you take your singular piece of writing and you work to get it seen and into more places so mm -hmm. people are able to see it. So most people, what they usually do is they'll post one article onto their blog or one piece onto their Facebook or one piece onto their Twitter. And then that's that. And they kind of end their entire cycle with that. And I'm not sure, is that like how you use your content or what do you do with your existing content right now? I, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I've been pretty, since I was in the academic world for so long, it's, you don't get rewarded for blog posts or any of that. If I, if I do something that's more mainstream, it's, it's for myself or because I think it's important, but the emphasis wasn't there, even though I know it's terribly important. So if I did do something like that, I would just put it on there. One of the things I would automatically do is go to my academia site, which nobody looks at, but it was more for myself as far as historically what have I done. Uh, I, I don't even remember sometimes the thing, appearances I've made or things that I've written unless I put it down there. So that'll mm -hmm. kind of be my... Uh, my resume, my online resume for myself, even to remember the experience I've had or what year I did that in or whatnot. So I don't really do a great job of recycling. And I'm always fearful of I'm putting something out there too much. Like I, I, I put it out once or twice and that's about it. <laughs> and I just leave it, leave it alone. But I know that most people won't see it when you do it just the one time. But I also don't want to hammer away at something that people don't want to or not interested in. Any yeah, advice I, on that? I, I think a lot of people feel that same way. One thing for your academia profile, keep that, keep all your accomplishments in one place um, because it's very easy to forget what you do. And I forget almost everything I do, but um, I have like leonardkim.com forward slash media dash room. And I put like every single thing that I've ever done into there. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I've done all these things. I'm not that much of a loser. In regards to um, posting over and over, I, I could see like, why would you want to post the same Facebook post like five times? Like it's completely something that a lot of people don't want to do because it's like, oh, John already saw that. John already saw that again. And John's like, hey, you already posted this. And you don't want to annoy the people that you already know. Um, the secret to that is to step outside of that singular platform and move to multiple platforms. So this is what I do for my content strategy. Let's say I write something, it's 500 words, 1,000 words, 5,000 words, 50 words, whatever. I usually put that onto... Usually every single thing that anyone writes answers a question. Like if you really look at like a 500-word piece and you're talking about a topic with an anxiety, it, it could be like the question it could answer is like, what is anxiety or how does anxiety affect this or something like that. Okay. Um, what, I, yeah. what I do is I go on Quora, that's Q-U-O-R-A, mm -hmm. and I go uh -huh. look for a question that's kind of similar to what this answers. Then I take my content and I post it onto Quora first. Um, the reason I post it onto Quora first is because if people follow the topic of anxiety, if they follow the topic of health, human behavior, which these questions could be tied with, Quora is going to push this article, this answer out to people who already follow those topics. So if I have an Got audience it. of zero people who follow me on Quora, there's, there's a chance that a few hundred people could see that piece of content without me ever working one day to lift a finger to build that audience to get mm -hmm. in front of that many eyeballs. Um, if the content does well okay. on Quora, 
then they'll keep pushing it out more and more and more, and then it could potentially get 50,000, 100,000 views. Is that going to happen every time? Probably not, but it could happen. Right. Also, at the same right. time, they have media syndication networks with all these um, publications like Forbes, Mashable, Time, Medical Daily, Sporting News, like and, like all these different publications. And then like these publication people like scour content all day, and if they're like, wow, this piece of content is publication worthy, it could potentially get picked up into a publication. So Got that's it. usually what I do for the first step. The second thing I do is I'll post it onto Medium, kind of like what you did with those stories um, when you were over mm -hmm. when you were working with the Red Cross. Um, but Medium has a secondary layer where there's all these little people who have different publications on Medium. So it's like this mini multi-faceted magazine. Um, what I do is I usually look for different people who. If you look up like top medium publications you on Google, you can find the list of the top ones. And let's say there's one that relates to like human behavior. Um, you can see it, how many followers they have, and if they have like 50,000 people who subscribe to their publication, you could pitch them the article. And if they pick it up, it could potentially be seen by that audience too. Okay. So you're not bugging your friends all day. <laughs> then you can do the same Got thing it. on LinkedIn. And then LinkedIn pushes it out mm -hmm. to your second and third degree connections along with some of your first degree connections. So LinkedIn's doing the heavy lifting on that end. Then you can put it onto okay. your website, your Facebook, your social media platforms that go out to your personal friends. That way you get multiple people who see the same thing. Okay. Um, That's better. But, yeah, so it's kind of like pushing it out, but then you're really pushing it out just once, just on multiple areas. And um, if you're writing about something that's like evergreen, like anxiety, for example, that's a topic that's mm -hmm. going to be around forever. Research doesn't really change that significantly on that topic. So um, right. you could recycle that maybe once every six months to a year. So. Let's say you were to theoretically work on one piece a week, uh, then uh, in a year you'd have 50 pieces, but by the end of year two you'd have 100 pieces, and in year three you'd have 150 that you could use for those years. Right. Okay. So it kind of compounds. Um, another thing is since you hate being in front of camera, there's other tools that allow you to take content and then it turns it into video for you. There's this thing called Lumen 5, and it turns articles into videos, and it takes pieces from what you wrote, highlights different sections of it, and then tries to put stock images to it. And if you're doing medical stuff, it does an extremely horrible job at picking out the stock images, but if you're talking about a fun topic, it. it usually does a great job. So there's a little okay. bit of um, caressing that you need to do with that, but that's another thing that you could use. So you don't just have an article, but you have a video too. Then you could put that video onto like LinkedIn, you could put it onto Facebook, okay. you could put it onto YouTube. Say Lumen and all 5, like the number 5? Uh-huh. Okay, Lumen 5. Okay. Yeah. And, um, cool. Okay. We, we got stuck into commercial break time, so I think we had to hop off to that. Um, you can find Christy okay. at Dr. Christy on Twitter. And what was your business website again? Uh, MyThrivePsychology.com. I do Instagram, but it's more pretty rainbows and scenery texting. It's, it's my positive, my very positive page. So that one's, I think it's just Dr. Christy Holmes on Instagram, too. Ooh, cool. That's the one people want to follow now. They want to see pretty pictures. Well, we'll be back after I know. this break. break. <laughs> and we'll see you soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, 
Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to The Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. It's me, the Sky Leonard, and I'm here with the great Dr. Christy Holmes. We've been chatting about um, how to go out there. We've, been, we've covered vision, voice, and volume. And now we're really going to get into validation, which is what to do when you're creating all this content, how to monetize it, and all that other fun stuff. Um, so, so far, what do you think about the things that we've discussed, Christy? I think it's been great. It's giving me some different ideas on how to do better at the things I'm already doing, but with a different twist, which is great to always consult with somebody else who does something better than you, and that's you. So oh, thanks. You're telling me a way to do something I'm already doing in a different way, which means it would reach different people. That's good, and I'm glad that I'm able to help you. Um, the final thing that happens is validation, and that's when people are going to start liking your content, commenting on it, engaging with you, talking to you, um, wanting to come to your clinic, wanting to um, learn more about what you do. Uh, so basically, and also some speaking, but basically what all that really entails is figuring out how to put all these people into a little funnel thing so then you could potentially monetize off the people that need that extra help. Um, not everyone's going to be able to afford your hourly rate to come in, but some people are going to need additional group therapy, and not everyone's in Los Angeles, so they're going to be able want to reach out to you too. Right. Um, there's various platforms. Um, usually most of these are built in the online course format, like Thinkific, Teachable, things like that. They're kind of set up like the Moodle systems where you go in and you, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you did online classes or not. Yes, I've, yep, long history, so. Yeah. That I, I can do. I, <laughs> my, my college stuff's all online, so I'm like, oh, yeah, Moodle and all this random stuff. But um, really, all it is is it's figuring out what platform is easiest for you to manage. That could just be a video software like Zoom or it could be a, uh, something like Skype. But then um, I guess <laughs> since it's, you're, you're discussing private health information, you might need a HIPAA compliance. There is a HIPAA. There's a HIPAA compliant Zoom. I actually, I do have. I have it. Oh yeah, perfect. So yeah. if you're using a technology like that, all it really is is figuring out the structure on how to do this. So it's like per every classroom, I'm going to have five people in the class, 10 people in the class, whatever it may be. I'm going to schedule mm -hmm. these classes at 10 a.m. every Tuesday, 2 p.m. every Friday, whatever it may be. And just kind of building out that calendar around it. And then um, slowly leaving like maybe one day free every week. So then you could leave a little slot on your website for if you want a free, if you want an in-person group session, click here to purchase this 3 p.m. slot. And then like what you do is you work with the uh, plugin, uh, 
e-commerce plugin on your site for every 10 people who purchase uh-huh. this thing, then it becomes sold out. And then once that date and that hour t- time frame is booked, you have these people guaranteed to show up on that date. Then you just keep going through that and um, build out a calendar that way. So then that way you can have group sessions online. Um, so what happens in this process is when people are reading your content, whether that's in Psychology Today, Quora, Medium, whatever it may be, the natural response for anyone to uh, is, who wrote this article? Wow, this stuff's great. It really connects with me. I, I want to see who wrote it. So they'll go and they'll read your bio. And when they read your bio, if they're like, oh, this person really relates to me. Um, I, I really like what they're talking about. I like the work that they do. I want to hire them. Then they're going to look for like how to hire you. So if you have a page like that where you could set up online booking. Okay. Um, it's a little complicated to make. It might take you a little more time than um, actually writing and doing this other stuff. But once you have that down, you have an opportunity where people are able to book you. And um, okay. for your speaking engagements right now, are, how, how do you get your speaking engagements? I'm approached. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever had to pitch. I mean, in the academic world, it was more, we had to do submissions for different conferences. Mm-hmm. You know, so the expectation was that you were doing that. But as far as anything that's related to UN or Red Cross, I was approached by different entities to come talk about a specific thing. So that, you know, it, it's usually I'm, I've been approached, so I, I haven't thought out a strategy much about it because that's the thing I've been doing, but not because I'm actively seeking it just as it comes. I say yes or no if I have time. Um, all you have to do is when you create content, people will still approach you to go speak. It's just that it's not as simple because you just they're not just looking for the person who works at the university anymore. They're looking for the person right. who creating the most content and whose um, message is most relevant to their audience. All you need um, for your bio is like maybe a line or two that says um, that you're available for speaking engagements and to um, have them send an email to a separate email from your original inbox so you know it's um, speaking related. Oh, good idea. Okay. Yeah, and um, I I think if you implement all these um, tactics... And you do this, I mean, a year from now, it looks like you have like maybe three or 4,000 social media followers. Mm-hmm. I think in a year that could go up to like 10,000. In two years, that could go up to like 50,000. And it would continually grow. So, I mean, you could become one of the top um, therapists in L.A. <laughs> and, and even beyond L.A., especially with everything else that you've already done. Yeah, I, I feel like in some ways I'm trying to do more local sometimes. It's like, okay, how can I become involved right here where I am? Because I I went on the on the global end, not quite purposely, but that's just what happened, and then national. So I like having my foot in more than one place. It keeps you more active and on top of things. Yeah, and being in L.A., I mean, it's great. It's The only problem with being in L.A. is everyone's so busy doing their own thing that it's hard mm-hmm. to find those opportunities in L.A. because people are just so dived deep into what they're doing. But they're, they're, they exist. They're all around. I mean, things happen every single day in L.A. Agreed. And it's always last minute. I mean, even the thing I was talking about yesterday was, can you come do this? And they sent me the call sheet and just kind of threw it together on the spot. They were extremely professional, though, and in an hour and a half, we were done. So that was the fastest moving thing I'd ever worked with. So I only had to sweat <laughs> for the whole hour and a half rather than, like, days leading up to it. Yeah. And, um, Thank you. Yeah, anytime. I mean, if you have problem with being on video, like, one of the things I recommend is um, anyone who's telling you to stare straight at the camera shouldn't be telling you to stare straight at the camera. Like, if you watch a news interview uh, and you watch an interview with two people online, those two people are looking at each other, and both of them aren't facing into the camera. And when you do a close-up, neither of them are facing into the camera, too. So I don't know what kind of camera person's telling you to look at the camera. But that's I don't know, and I think I I did go on their website on attention. It's at ATTN, and Mm -hmm. they did one with President Obama, 
But I think part of what they try to do is like you're talking, it's almost like a selfie, but a moving, and they've got the words going along underneath with what they're trying to get out to you. So the one thing I did take into consideration was I did know who they were when they contacted me because I've seen it over and over, and I appreciated that they were actually be able, they were able to teach something to students, the college students especially, who it's very hard to get them to read now. And that was a struggle, especially with my last few years as a professor, is getting content that's important out to students so that they will learn. But at the very least, they engage, even for a short period of time, in those quick videos with the, the words over, what do you call that, when they're overlapping while you're talking. So yeah, just reinforcing the message over and over. And so I was like, well, maybe that's why you're staring straight into the camera because you're supposed to be like looking directly at them. And I looked at a few of their clips on their website so it made more sense when I looked at it but it's extremely awkward <laughs> yeah I hate looking at the camera I mean if you ever want to practice because I know I need to practice and I'm horrible at it we could hop offline we could sit at your um you could sit at your office and we could just practice perfect <laughs> perfect I actually suggested to somebody on Twitter the other day a colleague that since she hates it so much, she's actually working on her uh, doctorate, but they're having them do like video blogs and uh, video logs. And so I said, why don't you just stick someone next to you, like on your device, you know, put someone on Skype or FaceTime next to your computer so that you're actually talking to somebody next to your device. So you're looking a little bit off, but at least you're being conversational. And I think it makes it more interesting anyway. Yeah, and when I film a singular person, I stand behind the camera. I'm like, look at me, look at me. You're talking to me. You're not talking to the camera. Yeah. Because I know no one can look into it. Um, exactly. So in regards to the advice here today on a scale of like 1 to 10, um, what would you kind of rate it? Oh, 10, absolutely. Oh, yay, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I appreciate any anybody who can actually get in there and get at least one usable clip in any interaction. You can go, oh wow, okay, this was worth that time, and that's probably how I see it for my clients as well. Like, I don't want them to leave, you know, after fifty minutes and not have anything to take with them. It's great to sit and talk, of course, but it's also good to have something actionable to leave and try to make a difference and how you go forward so you're not doing the same old Groundhog Day. And yeah, that's that true. Me, so yeah, I've spoken to a few therapists and I'm just angry for 50 minutes. Then the last minute they some, say something and say, go try this. I'm like, oh, wow, this, this is great. This made the whole day worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on their way out the door. That's lovely. I prefer well, doing that than when the clients drop something on you on the way out the door. That happens semi-frequently as well, where they, they don't have the courage quite yet to tell you what they're really there for. So you might be session three or four in, and on their way out the door, they drop the big one. And by the way, this happened to me. You're like, wait a minute, and you have someone in the waiting room. So, cliffhanger. Uh, oh, yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm going to give you a free course. It's a $2,600 value that talks about the four Bs. You could go over it in your own free time unless you forget any of the stuff that we talked about. Um, also, just to close out the show, um, I'm coming out with this book in October. It's called Ditch the Act, Reveal the Surprising Power of the Real You for Greater Success. So if anyone wants to buy it, it'll be available in October. Yay. And um, yeah, anyone yeah, who's looking on my for... Platforms. Uh, um, any closing words? I don't think so. I look forward to sharing what you put out there with your new book. Sounds good. And, uh, thanks um, so much for having me. Oh, anytime. And if everyone's looking to follow someone online, just remember it's Dr. Christie on Twitter. Uh, you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim. And once again, we're so happy that everyone here tuned in for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. And we'll be seeing everyone next week. Yay! Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.